Good morning. Will you please stand with me as we read God's word? Acts 1, 6 through 11. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in with white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Will you please remain standing as we pray? Blessed are you, Lord, great God. For the testimonies of the prophets, we bless you. For the statues of the law, we bless you. For the gospel of Christ and the witness of the apostles, we bless you, O glorious God. Grant us the spirit of your glory and the brightness of your presence, that we might read your word and understand through Jesus Christ, our gracious Lord. Amen. Now, I bet many of you are just like me. When was the last time you heard a sermon on the Ascension? Like seriously, have you ever heard Billy Graham speak on the Ascension? He probably did, but we don't ever remember that. Has the Ascension ever come up in your marriage and your parenting classes? Has the Ascension helped you deal with COVID? Has the Ascension and teaching on it helped you deal with those tough issues in your life? Has the Ascension and teaching on it helped you deal with forgiveness and reconciliation to those who you find hardest to love. Sometimes we treat this event here that we just read like either an epilogue to the book of Luke or the prologue to the book of Acts. You know, something that we just kind of scroll over because really we want to get to the meat that comes next. Now, in the past few weeks as I have pondered this text, I've studied the implications of the ascension. I could, you know, have what we could call really an epiphany. I, I have looked at the ascension, I have marveled, and I have been rebuked for my shallow and lack of faith. I, I found myself, like the disciples here in verses 9 through 11, I find myself staring into the clouds wondering, why? Well, let me read the text again. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud overtook them, took them out of his sight, rather. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee! Why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken from you will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So mere minutes before this event, the disciples thinking about, you know, it was, this was a strategy session on, you know, how to take over the Roman Empire. They asked Jesus, they were thinking about their power and they asked Jesus, Jesus, when will you overthrow the Romans? But really underneath they were asking, Jesus, when, when you overthrow the Romans, will we receive temporal power? When will we, in power and rule beside you with your right hand, when will we have power? And then, they disappear, he disappears in the cloud and they're left going, what? What's going on? See, I would say most of you are like me this morning. You're like the disciples. You're, whether you call yourself a Christian or whether you don't, you're unable to comprehend this and you're essentially looking up into the clouds dazed and confused. You see, just like the disciples, we are thirsty for power. And consequently, the penny hasn't dropped for us. We do not realize how profound, how significant, 
and how amazing this event is. Tim Keller, he's an author and pastor in New York City. He said this about the ascension. The birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus are of no use without the ascension. Wow, that's profound. Turn with me to the end of Luke's gospel here. I want you to see the contrast. Luke chapter 24, verses 50 through 53. And he, Jesus, led them out as far as Bethany and lifted up his hands and he blessed them. And while he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. Now this is, this is the same event. This is Luke, the same author of Acts and Luke. And he's telling and detailing for us the same things that we saw in the book of Acts here. So 52 and 53. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they were continually in the temple blessing God. The disciples went from dazed and confused, selfishly thinking about their power, their positions of authority. They went from that to great worship, to joy, to understanding that something was greater at work here. See, the question of the angels, they realized that it wasn't about them, it wasn't about their power, and the rest of the New Testament bears witness to this fact. They died for this. The penny dropped for them that day, and they returned to Jerusalem, absolutely different people, changed. They experienced firsthand the ascended power of Jesus, but also they understood Tim Keller's ascension. The birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus are of no use without the ascension. So how do we get there? Seriously, how do we understand that? We, don't, we didn't see him rise. How do, we, how do we get there? We need to look at two things. We need to know what the ascension is, what it is, and what does it mean for us today. So what is the ascension? Part of what confuses us here is, is the way it's described for us. You know, being lifted up into the clouds, like really, that's a weird way to describe what's actually going on here. Particularly if you don't understand the biblical context or the Old Testament. Like, what is with the cloud? So if we don't understand, we're reduced to thinking this is some sort of like Cirque du Soleil event. And, and we just kind of like, oh, okay, you're staring up there watching the trapeze act. Or you think it's some sort of weird episode off the show Supernatural. Now, humor me a bit. Let's dip back into the Old Testament because you cannot miss the significance of this. Basically, you should just read the whole book of Exodus. But anyway, turn with me to Exodus chapter 24. Now, the whole of Israel is camped at Mount Sinai. This is mountain in the desert. They've been miraculously liberated from slavery by God himself. God has led them there. And God takes this ragtag bunch of like two million refugees and he makes them his own people. He brings them out there and he promises to be their God and they would be his people. They were chosen by him. So let's read the events of Moses' encounter with God on Mount Sinai. Exodus chapter 24, verses 15 to 18. Then Moses went up onto the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord dwelt on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. Now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on the top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. Moses entered the cloud and went up onto the mountain. And Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. I can't even imagine observing that. Like Moses going up there for 40 days, he probably thought he was dead. See, on this mountain, God himself instructs Moses on how to build a tent. I know it's weird. A tabernacle, as it's called. Essentially, it's a portable temple. 
a place that symbolized the very presence of God with his people, a beacon, if you will, that led the people of Israel all through the desert and into their promised land. So in Exodus chapter 40, the very last book of this book of Exodus, we get this, starting at verse 32, Exodus 40, 32. And when they went into the altar of meeting, tent of meeting rather, this is Moses and Aaron, when they approached the altar, they washed, they made themselves holy as the Lord commanded Moses. And he erected the court around the tabernacle and the altar, set up the screen and the gate of the court. So Moses finished the work. So he did everything in preparing for this particular event. So in 34, we pick it up. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the clouds settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Throughout all of their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, they did not set out until the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was the tabernacle by day and fire was in it by night. In the sight of all of the house of Israel throughout all of their journeys. Clouds and fire represent the power, the glory, the holiness of God, the Lord himself, his very presence. So Jesus being described as ascended, lifting up into a cloud? We are to pay attention here. Something significant is being said. Do not miss it. It's not a coincidence that Luke describes these events using metaphors already pregnant with meaning. We are to assume and make the connection that the very presence of God himself, the glory of God, representation is right there in the ascension with Jesus. The glory of the Lord, as seen in Exodus, is the same glory that we see in Jesus as he ascends, as he is lifted up. This is why the disciples were rebuked by the angels in verse 11. Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? You can almost hear the sarcasm there. This is Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven. Will you? He will come in the way that you saw him go into heaven. They're like, don't you guys get it? What you just observed was the glory of the Lord. The same glory your forefathers saw on Mount Sinai, just as the glory of the Lord ascended and descended on the tabernacle, leading his people, Jesus ascends into heaven. And this Jesus will also descend. He will return as you saw him leave, full of glory. And when he does, he will, he will give you rest and he will put all things right. Now, you might be thinking, um, why? Like, the disciples, they recognized their error, okay? They returned to Jerusalem and worship, you know, but why? People, unless you are full of glorious joy, Unless you are called to worship by this event, you do not understand the ascension. The penny hasn't dropped for you. The ascension is the glorious exaltation of Jesus Christ as reigning Lord over all things and all time. But you're like, who cares? Like, nice biblical trapeze act, Heath, really. But why, why does this matter? Why should I care? I acknowledge maybe, okay, Jesus could be king. But furthermore, Shouldn't we, you know, in our, in our modern day, aren't we evolved past, you know, authoritative structures? You know, aren't part of, isn't authority something just to use and man manipulate people? Why should I care and why should I surrender to this type of king? Well, there's two points why it matters. The first one, the ascension matters because of one simple 
yet mind-blowing profound truth. The ascension of Jesus, him rising in the cloud, lifted up into heaven, does not mean his absence, but rather profoundly, it means his increased presence. The ascension is the means that allows the prophesied suffering servant, the gentle and lonely one, the Jesus that healed the sick, the lame, the blind, the deaf. This same Jesus, the incarnate one, is the man who sacrificed himself for you on a cross. The ascension is the means that allows a human, a human to be in heaven right now, to be at the right hand of God in glory. He becomes our advocate. He becomes our advocate before God himself. This gentle and lonely one is powerful and he is glorious. Everything that Jesus was in time and space, everything that he spoke, everything that he taught, everything that he is right now, because of the ascension, this Jesus is like a shock wave that has been released to the whole of the cosmos. I don't think you understand just how significant this is. The ascension is not just for first century Jewish disciples not just for one nation chosen by God. Because of the glory of Jesus in the ascension, he now calls all nations, all people to himself. He calls into the cosmos and says, all who are heavy laden, come to me, and I will give you rest. The ascension of Jesus is not the absence of his presence, as one might assume, but rather the exponential increased presence of Jesus, the gentle and lonely one. Man, when this epiphany hit this week, I was sitting in a public space in my collaborative workspace where I rent an office, and I was in tears. The ascension of Jesus is the glorious exaltation of him as reigning Lord over all things in all time for everyone. And he is worthy of our worship, worthy to, to surrender our autonomy to, because instead of abusing his authority, just like every other leader we know, instead of a cosmic power play, he willingly gives himself for us. He exercises his power through weakness. By dying on a cross, he died that we might have life. But because of the ascension, he is standing at the right hand of God himself in power. But not only does he die for us, but he is advocating for us right now. Instead of asking, why should we care about the ascended Jesus? We should be really asking, why should he care about us? Why should he care about us? Well, people, he cares about us because even as exalted Lord, he is still the gentle and lonely one who came to save broken people like you and me. This is why it matters, people. This is why the disciples returned to Jerusalem and worship. Look what, they, what the, look what the Apostle Paul, in exalted language, describes who Jesus, the ascended Jesus, is. Listen to this. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 18 through 23. Having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the work of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places? Far above all rule, all authority, and power, and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. 
And he has put all things under his feet and given him as a head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. You see, the ascension of Jesus is not the absence of Jesus. No, but rather the exponential increase of his presence, the gentle and lonely one. The second reason why this matters is because of the ascension of Jesus, his mission now becomes our mission. Turn with me back to our text in verse 6, Acts 1-6. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to, kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed for his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, the disciples were questioning Jesus about timeline and strategy, you know, of colonial overthrow. But they come in this event, they come face to face with a new mandate. They asked Jesus, will you, in verse 6, will you in power overthrow the Romans? In response, what does Jesus do? He turns the whole introspective Jewish culture upside down and he says, no, you will. You will receive power and you will be my witnesses throughout the entire world. Jesus promises them power by his spirit and he tells them that they will bear witness of this saving power to the very ends of the earth. Instead of an isolated Jewish people of God, Jesus says, I have chosen all people from every language, every tribe, every nation to be my people. And you will be my ambassadors. It is because Jesus is ascended king that this happens. Turn with me to, quickly to Acts chapter 2. You can't miss the significance of this. When the day of Pentecost came, so Acts chapter 2 Starting in verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in, in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Have you ever wondered, what is with tongues of fire? Like, I can almost bet, whether, whether you call yourself a Christian or not, you're probably struggling like, what's with this whole tongue of fire thing? I don't get it. It's a bit out there. It's weirdly supernatural. Ironically, the Greek word for tongue is the same word for language. So that helps. But may I remind you, though, of Exodus chapter 24, verse 17. Now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. The very power of God, his presence, descended in tongues of fire upon the disciples. And the text says that they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they, they proclaimed Jesus to everyone, regardless of language barrier. Their new mandate was put into effect and thousands heard this testimony about the ascended Jesus and they believed. Jesus ascends on the cloud of glory and his disciples receive power when fire descends upon them. I don't think this is a coincidence. We are to understand the very presence, the very power of God, the same God that we saw on Sinai that was manifest in the tabernacle, this same power who led Israel through the desert to a promised land, this same power 
has descended on the disciples. Whew, that means we have his presence and we have his power and we still have it. We have his mandate. That means you and I, people. The ascension of Jesus is not the absence of Jesus, but rather the exponential increase of his presence and of his power, the gentle and lonely one to all of creation. Now, my ancestors came from Scotland and Ireland. The fact that I read and I can read about these events in English 2,000 years later testifies to the fact that this witness has gone forth. The ascended Jesus has been proclaimed and is still being proclaimed today, just as it started with the, with the disciples on the day where he ascended into glory. His saving mission becomes our mission if you believe. The ascension of Jesus is not the absence, but rather the increase. Christ City, Jesus is, assault, is exalted king. He is exalted king. He is our priest. He is advocating for us at the right hand of, of God right now. And his prophetic voice has become our mission. We are to proclaim his salvation, his death, his burial, his resurrection to all of creation. He is all of these things. We have all of these things because he is ascended Lord of all. Keller's assertion is right. The birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus are of no use without the ascension. And just like the disciples, we have a choice. We can stare into the clouds or we can surrender to the king and worship him. We all come to Jesus. We all come to Jesus like the disciples with our desire for power and prestige. And at the same time, we, we loathe and we fear seeing the reality and the misuse of power. It's the human condition. In surrendering to an authority greater than yourself, in surrendering to Jesus, you come to the king, but you still ask, can I trust you? You ponder, I've been hurt before. How can I possibly be vulnerable to a king with absolute power? I've never seen it happen. This is why we have to remember that the ascended Jesus is also this. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30, he says, Jesus says himself, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lonely in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. We can surrender. We can surrender to this Jesus who is the gentle and lonely one, lowly one and at the same time, exalted Lord of all things. You can trust Jesus. You can trust Jesus because his power, because, because his power is exercised through weakness and sacrifice. He is the only one worthy. He became vulnerable for you. He was stripped naked. He was beaten. He took all the misuse of power upon himself so that you can surrender and trust him. He is worthy of our worship. You can surrender to the ascended Jesus because his burden is light. And whether you're hearing this for the first time or you've walked a long time in Jesus' path, but if you pause and find yourself staring at the clouds rather than worshiping Jesus, you're functionally ignoring the ascended Jesus. Your thirst for power will be continually knocking at your door. It will be crouching. It will be waiting to consume you. And your burden, which is heavy, will crush you. You can receive power that is not your own. A power that you're really longing for. The very same power that raised Jesus from the dead. 
the presence of God himself. But it requires surrender to Jesus, to this gentle and lonely one, one exalted, though, who is Lord of all creation. So will you stand staring at the clouds, or will you surrender the worship and ascend to Jesus? Now, this isn't some sort of emotional manipulation. There was a time when I had to make this exact choice. I thought I was a good little Christian. I affirmed and believed at Jesus who died. He did it for me, right? But I had no regard for him and was not gripped by his power of the ascension. I was consumed with my own power and my own glory. And I was consumed with my desire for prestige. And it was destroying myself and all of those around me. It was a burden that I could not carry on my own. So in a sawmill, covered in grease, slime, sawdust, and every other foul thing you can imagine, I mustered the courage to say, God, Jesus, forgive me. Come into my life. Make me new. I need your power. Take away my burden. I surrender to you. And oh, people, I received a power that was not my own, and I have been on an amazing journey for the last 20 years. For me, that's why I left a career as an electrician. That's why I stand before you this morning. The ascended Jesus changed my life, and his mission became my mission. I don't stand here because I made a choice for a lucrative career path. I stand here because I worship the ascended Jesus, and I invite you to do the same. Let's pray. God, forgive us for times when we functionally ignore you and we, we only think of particular things about your life and ministry and we don't see you as ascended, Lord. Forgive us for staring into the clouds. Forgive us for our ignorance. Forgive us for our, our desire for power and make us new. So Lord, we surrender to you today in your holy name. Oh, by your son who sits at your right hand who with all power and all glory. Amen.